Greetings from Michigan in the United States, my friends. This is Lou Gerlach from Think Chat, and this is Confessions of a PYP Teacher. We are looking at confession number 70 today, which is designing for learners with disabilities. The practices we've shared in the past two episodes apply to all learners. Some will be more overstimulated, while others will be underwhelmed. No child fits into one specific category, which is part of my apprehension in separating the students into designation groups. At the same time, I believe there are some things we can put in place that will support students with disabilities. As we know, there is no one-size-fits-all because there are varying degrees of needs that a student might have. I began in my career working with upper primary elementary learners with mild to moderate behavior needs that stopped them from learning within the general education setting. Certain triggers would bring out erratic behaviors and emotional breakdowns, and these children craved a classroom setting with designed areas they could go to de-escalate, regroup, and return to their academics and to talk with their peers. They also needed systematic routines with visual reminders to keep them on track and help them reach their goals. And just like any other child, they craved a role within the learning community to feel accepted and also to feel useful. And as I continued with my special education certification, I worked with um, eighth grade or year nine um, grade students who had um, learning disabilities in the areas of math, reading, and just general organizational and study skills. And they were reading two to three grade levels below, but they had a passion for learning. And these learners required a systematic structures and tools to help them meet their academic and organizational goals. So throughout the rest of my career, I've supported learners with learning disabilities and on the autism spectrum. And here are some of the things I've noticed that add great value to their learning success. So classroom layout. All learners benefit from a flexible learning environment where they're able to work in various locations and capacities throughout the day. The traditional usage of desks doesn't work for all learners, even if they're placed within collaborative groups, right? So here are some things I've used that have had a lasting impact um, with working with students with special needs or uh, with disabilities. Flexible seating. I recognize that we don't have endless budgets to buy furniture, storage, and other items for our classroom. Yet some of the most amazing classrooms I've had the pleasure of visiting had ambient lighting that they purchased from uh, garage sales, thrift stores, or car boot sales. Stools were, you know, made out of milk crates or plastic um, boxes and cushions from, you know, discount stores. And for those that don't have access to these types of stores, consider like flea markets, Facebook marketplace, and finding resources within your school or local community. You know, prior to the pandemic, I, you know, as a teacher, I purchased six thick bath mats from Ikea that were machine washable. And a pair of learners would go out in the hallway or in a cozy corner to lay or sit on the mats. They were in their element, and I was able to get more from their thinking than traditional seating in a desk. Students with disabilities are keenly aware of their spatial awareness, and many of them struggle to be in close proximity with others. 
and providing alternative seating options, I found they were able to focus more easily. And at the same time, I had some students who couldn't handle the continual changes within the learning environment. You will know how to best support them. And that's really important, right? Because some of the things that I'm going to propose won't work for some of your kids. All right. Another thing about layout is designated areas. One thing I did to support learners who couldn't handle the continuous changes was have designated areas in the room that were fixed. I had learning stations at my small group table to support understanding of concepts. While learners came to me, they knew what to expect in their experience. Additionally, I had learning centers around the room with artifacts and books, um, images, and other provocations from our unit content. This allowed them an alternative space for them to go where, you know, in case they were being overwhelmed, they could fixate on certain items and look at them. And since they were able, you know, since the materials were kind of rough and tumbly, I knew that I didn't want to present things that could get broken, break my heart. It was a calming space and it helped them to recenter. And every year I would always have more desks than students except the years I was blessed with tables. And I try to find a space for at least one extra desk where learners could go to regroup. Oftentimes learners with disabilities get overstimulated by the learning environment, by their peers, and I'd allow them to relocate themselves to advocate for their learning needs. And when they were ready, they'd return to their own desk. This was not meant to be punitive, but more self-regulatory. And that's important, right? And Coupled with that, I, something that I learned from a fellow teacher um, through Sanford Harmony is we all have bad days. For those who are struggling to articulate or identify their needs, this can happen more than not. And one thing I learned while impl implementing restorative circles was to have a chill out zone. This was a place where learners could emotionally cool off and reflect on their needs. This allowed learners to take action before the stimulation or the situation escalated into an, a, an explosive thing. And I noticed that many learners appreciated the space. And to reduce learners from over abusing the area, I'd have them complete a reflection of their thinking. And after doing it once, many didn't want to go back again because I didn't want it to become a crutch, more of a place where we can go to chill out. Now, another thing to think about, we've been talking a lot about visuals. Um, in the beginning, you know, we talked about language learners. They need to be part of the process of creating the visuals. With gifted learners, okay, well, they need to make sure that the visuals have a purpose. And we talked about less is more. And this is also going to apply to your students with um, learning disabilities or any type of disability, they're struggling just to understand the big concepts, especially if they're two to three years um, below reading level. And so the volume of material that's coming at them is greatly inhibiting their input and output of ideas. And just like your language learners, you know, get your learners with disabilities to participate in creating these anchor charts. Make sure to have current charts up on the wall. That's all I'm going to say. Visual schedules. This really helped my students that I had 
all throughout my career. And it's something that I think is valid that isn't used enough of using visual schedules. Many learners benefit from visual schedules to guide the workflow. The schedule identifies what a learner must complete within a given time and and also options for may do. So there's the must do versus the may do. And this allows for some learner agency while keeping them on that target because oftentimes they get overwhelmed with all the parts and pieces. And I've had a lot of positive experiences using visual schedules, but they require a lot of pre-planning and understanding where the unit of inquiry is headed while providing some element of choice. So it's a delicate balance, and this is something that I would heavily discuss with your team of how to approach. Now, just like the other learners, there's certain roles that we can provide um, to, you know, a child that is um, struggling to understand their place in the learning and their disability. And every learner, um, myself included, wants to feel a part of it. And a great way to incorporate all your learners is through specific roles within the community. It not only provides basic life skills, it prepares them for their future as contributing members of society. So jobs. I spoke about the importance of jobs in the episode about language learners and as gifted learners. And if I were to add anything else is to provide a purpose. A child with a disability is keenly aware that they are different. At a time when you just want to fit in, a job can provide a sense of normalcy. A learner gets to prove to everyone else that they can do the same job with the same level of excellence despite their differences. This can be a game changer in learner self-efficacy. Helpers, we talked about that. All children want the opportunity to help out in the classroom. I tried to have some office hours after school or during lunch. This wasn't every week, like I said, but I tried to find times where students could just serve in the classroom. All children have something to offer you don't expect. Once again, this is allowing your learners with a disability to give back and demonstrate their abilities. To be honest, I've seen many teachers offer these opportunities to their gifted learners only, which is a shame because your language learners and your learners with disabilities have equally important things to offer. As always, I spoke too much, my friends, and your brain is overloaded. I know this, you know, I know all these ideas aren't revolutionary, but maybe simply serve as a reminder of how to include all learners into the process of designing the learning environment. So have another blessed day.